on SAFM. This month, this Women's Month, is with Domestic Workers Alliance and the Socio-Economic Rights Institute, SERI, are aiming to bring greater dignity and fair treatment to women as they launch Employing a Domestic Worker, a Legal and Practical Guide. They believe that a critical step in overcoming South Africa's race and class divides is to stop treating domestic workers as household servants and to recognize them as professional service providers. To talk to us is Ms. Amy Teki, or Teki, I beg your pardon for the mispronunciation, please do correct me. Amy is the co-founder of Izwi Domestic Workers Alliance, and she wants to tell us, and I'm so happy she is, to engage us about a critical, critical balance of power in an exchange in this country that is not nearly given the weight that it should. Domestic workers in this country are the backbone of all these people we hail and laud as successful. Many people behind them are ensuring they are in a better position to be even more successful. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Could you prune? Thank could you so much for having me. Please confirm the pronunciation of your surname. I don't want to go sort of under the radar. <laughs> no problem. It's Tekia. Tekia. Thank you so much. Tekia. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Domestic workers, the backbone of any society in South Africa with our history of discrimination and abuses, particularly of women, even more and a necessary conversation to have given how much they offer and sacrifice for next to little pay and zero protections. Absolutely. It's a, it, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the power dynamics because I think it's something that underlies the relationship between a domestic worker and an employer, even in the relationships where the employer has the best of intentions. Um, there's no getting around those power dynamics and they get quite muddied once you get into you know, different native languages and, and different expectations um, and assumptions of how things work. And with the history that you mentioned of domestic work in this country, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's formalized by the government. And there's very hard-won labor rights that people have really fought for that are recognized. And it's not as much about policy as it is about actual practice. And so even though domestic workers do have a lot of rights, in, real, in, in actual practice, those, those aren't realized and they don't experience them. Um, and until employers realize that when you bring someone to work for you in your home, your home is now officially a workplace and you are beholden to the Basic Condition of Employment Act, the, the Labor Rights Act, and sexual discrimination for domestic work. But as employers, we don't really bother to sit down and actually read those acts. And even though the information is quite freely available, um, it's not something that people even think to, or if they do think about it, they often don't make the time to review, um, which has a huge impact on domestic workers. I think we, we often don't realize that domestic workers are, are expecting or should expect the same things from us as we expect from our own employers, which have to do with severance pay. They have to do with, you know, fair working hours, overtime pay, um, you know, a certain way that you're treated, treated, being treated with respect, your tasks being limited to your actual scope of work and what you were hired for. There's a whole series of things. And um, I, I think we, there's a huge need for a cultural shift in South Africa that this is someone coming into my home the way a plumber may come or a lawyer may come or a tutor may come to provide a certain service. And if we can treat them with respect, then it can actually be really dignified work as opposed to 
a really painful and, and difficult livelihood. What makes this relationship especially different to your typical employer-employee relationship is that it oftentimes takes place in your home as the employer. I mean, there's no greater space that you would hold dear and near to you than your home. And oftentimes the work involves your most precious of belongings and more especially people, your children, or oftentimes as well, um, persons with disabilities like your sisters or your brothers or just persons who are aged, your parents in this case. And that invites a special dispensation in this employment arrangement. For instance, if I'm at work and I am absent, in the ordinary course of employment at a typical nine-to-five job, the employer can carry that or somebody else can double up. But in the home context, around such vulnerabilities, if it's babies or persons who cannot help themselves, my absence becomes especially pronounced as well as it does involve deep emotions. And inherently, those power dynamics that are at play in any employer-employee relationship become that far more, that much more embedded in this relationship. And of course, a lot of abuse as a result takes place if things don't mm-hmm. happen the way that they could or should. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a very intimate space and it causes a lot of int- intimate dynamics. And, you know, even for, for working mothers, it's already difficult to balance the challenge of, you know, family and work and life and household. And it's a wonderful um, gift. It really is a gift to have the, the ability to have somebody in your home to help with those things. Um, but then it can also trigger feelings of, oh, maybe I'm not doing enough of this and I'm not doing enough of that and I need more help. And um, even though it's something we come to rely on, there need to be there needs to be boundaries. Um, and those those are sometimes difficult to draw. And that's really what the law does for us. It draws those boundaries. Um, and so it's really about the, the foundation is just having a contract, giving somebody pay slips where you've recorded any extra hours that they worked, any leave days, any sick days, which is also for you as the employer because now you, you can record, oh, okay, this is, this is where we're at in terms of sick leave, et cetera. Um, things aren't so ambiguous, um, and it helps the worker as well to know, oh, I actually did get paid for those extra hours that I worked, and therefore I, I feel better about my job, and I'm going to feel more positive when I go into work today, which is going to influence how I interact with the children and how I clean the kitchen because I know that I'm being treated fairly. Now, you mentioned the law a couple of times. The law in that space almost becomes secondary simply because the employee is especially vulnerable. The power belongs to the employer for the most part. And the law cannot really access somebody's home as it might easily a workplace where there are forums, where there are unions, where there are many people so the employee is in a position to be more intelligent or be more aware, if you like, of organizational rights and things of that kind. A home, you are probably the only employee or one of two, and the boss is boss, and that's that. And because you are in that employment in the first place, ordinarily, you are in the vulnerable sector of society such that that is the job that you have. What role then does the law play and how accessible is it for those persons who are domestic workers? Well, you did raise an important point about labor inspectors can be refused entry into a domestic workers' workplace because it is a private home, and that's quite quite problematic. Um, but in actuality, there's not even enough 
labor inspectors and, and there's issues with the Department of Labor anyway. Um, even getting to the step of inspectors getting out is a bit of a challenge. But but there is enforcement if you if if workers are willing to stand up. So we you know we do day to day work with domestic workers who are being mistreated, and the CCMA has, has issues like most government institutions. But it does you know it it's, it's functional and it does often support um, domestic workers who do do go there with their rights having been violated and it doesn't matter if I think one important thing is people often a lot of domestic workers are from other southern African countries and they may or may, may not have papers and people feel like that's kind of an excuse well my domestic worker doesn't have papers and therefore I don't have to follow the labor law which is absolutely not true the, the CCNA commissioner will tell you that this is not home affairs we don't want to talk about documentation this is a worker and According to the Constitution and the and the Labor Act, they're covered, and so um, it's a very difficult space. It's a difficult space, as you mentioned, to mobilize for unions because of the isolation of workers. But there are also um, means by which workers can access their rights, and I think that's why it's a powerful space to work in because there are institutions where a worker can go to the CCMA and say. Um, you know, I haven't been paid overtime for the last year, or I'm not making minimum wage, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, you know, outcomes will vary, but we see a lot of workers. I mean, in the last few years, we've, we've negotiated over a million rand in payments to domestic workers from employers. And that's quite a lot, you know, a couple months salary for a domestic worker who's been unfairly dismissed. It's real. Um, it's sometimes real. more can be life-changing for them in terms of, keeping their kids in school while they transition to their work and keeping them in their in their home. Now, trust is an inherent feature of an employer-employee relationship. In this one, it's, it probably goes a step further. Good old compatibility and conviviality between the two, employer and employee, or the subjects of the employer vis-a-vis the employee. And if any sort of protest takes place or any sort of outside intervention by way of the CCMA, the mere fact of that almost invariably ends the relationship of employment there. It can be, it can be very difficult, I agree, to, to return to a job after that. And we, we usually try as much as possible to settle cases before they get to the CCMA with you know, phone calls, calling the employer, and finding out what's the employer's side of the story or the employer's understanding of the situation. Um, and sometimes it's very different. And we have, you know, but, but often we, we have a lot of relationships where the employer actually says, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. I had no idea that it was a problem for her to leave work at 6 o'clock because she couldn't get transport or I had no idea that, you know, this was the assumption she was making or, oh, I do see that, you know, 11-hour days are probably a bit tough. I'm going to try to... You know, I'll hire someone else to come from 6 o'clock or I'll make sure to get home earlier. Um, so we have a lot of cases where employers really are willing to change the situation or change how they're, even how they're interacting um, because they also, you know, have built up this relationship and don't want to find someone new. Um, and, and a lot of employers want to make sure they are on the right side of the law. And so it is a powerful thing to say, well, this is what the law says you need to do if sure. you want to, you know, if, you, if you're going to dismiss someone, you have to have proof that there's been a history of um, poor performance and you need to see, you know, records of warnings. And, and, and so sometimes those relationships can definitely be saved and, and can be improved and other times they can't. Um, but one of the aspects in the guide beyond 
just what the basic laws are around working hours and wages and, and all of those things. Um, we also talk about, you know, entering the relationship. And a lot of people will just say, oh, do you have, you know, do you have a sister who can come work for me? Or, you know, without taking a lot of time to actually interview and ask, you know, in-depth questions and find out, is it a good fit? Because when someone's in your house all day, you, you want to have a good fit in terms of personality and relationship and bearing, and not everybody um, matches well. So it's really, there's in the guide, it talks about what should you look for? How do you go about the interviewing process, the hiring process? Do you want to have a probation period? And if you do, you need to make sure it's in, you know, it's in writing. And, and those things are really critical because that's what puts you on a good a good foundation and then carrying through things beyond the law. Like, you know, for most of us at work, once a year, there's a performance review and that gives us the chance to explain what's frustrating us at work and also gives people the chance to give us feedback. And a lot of domestic workers don't get feedback um, unless they do something terrible or something, some accident. Um, but regular feedback is really important for anyone at a job. It sure and, is. And Let me interrupt you there, Chris. Sorry there, Amy. I have to take a call from Bule in Durban. Bule, good no evening. No worries. Bule? Hi, how are you going there? Go for it, sir. I'm well, thanks. I'm good, man. I'm happy that those legislations and the groups, uh, people who are trying to protect the, 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 the people who are working in our homes. Now I just want to go on the other side. If these people are so protected, are the employers also protected? Kids are being abused in their homes, they are being burned, they are being assaulted. What kind of recourse can an employer take in order to protect their kids and maybe report? That's the first question. The second question is, there is a companies who are recruiting foreigners into our country. We are aware that there's a flood you know, of more especially domestic workers from our neighboring countries. Do these uh, groups also have a legislation or a way of protecting the South Africans against the influx of foreigners coming in to become domestic workers? Is there an issue of percentages or... I mean, when you look at the issue of the truck drivers, there is that issue of truck drivers complain that they're more outsiders than insiders. Even the domestic weather is a big, big, big problem where we have influx of foreigners. Very what well. can be done? What can? How can we resolve this issue? Thank you very much, my brother. Thank you so much. Perhaps, Bule, let, let's just respond to your first question because I think that's more what of Amy's competency is. And if she wants to engage in terms of the home affairs aspect of your engagement, <laughs> sure as she may. But I suppose the vulnerability that employees, domestic employees have, they've got the converse power in that they've got some precious cargo that they look after on the behalf of the employer. And we have seen, unfortunately, we have seen abuse taking place in these homes where children or persons with disabilities or even the elderly suffer at the hands of domestic workers. Absolutely. It, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's infrequent in comparison to the amount of abuse that we see in the reverse direction, but it does happen and employers absolutely have rights. And that was a point that we also wanted to make in this guide. It's not just about your responsibilities, it's also about your rights and how do you make sure that if your worker is not performing either just poor performance, you know, turning up late every day, et cetera, how can you handle that situation so that you're not stuck with it indefinitely? Um, in cases like what you're saying, where the where somebody's um, somebody's 
put in put in danger, um, they, they do, you do have the right as an employer to summarily dismiss, which means to, to immediately dismiss um, if, if they're putting a child's life at risk or mistreating somebody that they're caring for. Um, and the CCMA obviously clearly works both ways. So employers can also open a case. Um, usually what happens is employers will just dismiss rather than going through that process. But I think it's an important point that you raise, and I think, again, it's about building a relationship of trust both ways, and that doesn't happen if there's no communication. And so um, that's, I think, it, it sounds, you know, soft and fuzzy communication, but it's actually really the backbone of of having a positive relationship, communication and putting things in writing. Um, in terms of the of agencies bringing people from overseas, that is probably more than it's a big conversation. Um, there are people coming in where there's it's actually trafficking and the the women's you know passports are taken away and they're working for little to nothing and that's kind of hidden um, under you know under the radar and it's 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 actually all illegal um, and then most of the other agencies that I've that I come across aren't actually recruiting overseas but there is such an influx into South Africa. Um, that a lot of the women who are looking for work are indeed non-South Africans. Um, but South Africa has set a policy um, that everybody who is working in this country has the right to fair treatment. And so um, regardless of where they're coming from as employers, we, kind of, we have to follow that law. And we have a choice of who you hire. Um, and by law, you are supposed to hire somebody who's documented to work in South Africa. And if you raise that with the Department of Labor, it will fall on you for 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 not meeting that requirement. Um, yeah, but it's not something that we really try to prevent. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your thoughts there, Ms. Amy Tekie, co-founder ISWI, Domestic Workers Alliance. We do have a voice note quickly before you go. Evening, Song Evening, SAFM team. Um, a great conversation you guys are having there and i'm glad that somebody's actually advocating for for domestic workers so i got a question what really um how does one identify as a domestic worker is it gardener a domestic worker or is it only people who are within the household yeah i just i just need a bit of clarity on that that's just I'd be happy if you can maybe just break it down as to who is qualified to be deemed a a, um, a domestic worker, so to speak. Yeah, thank you. Amy? That's a great question. So a domestic worker is anyone who's employed by a private household to work um, in caretaking in the house. So it, it, it includes both somebody cleaning in the house as well as a gardener, as well as somebody caring for children or for the elderly or for, um, yeah, or for the family. Um, it would also, so it also includes a cook and a driver and um, cooks, I think, yeah, cooking, driver, nanny, cleaning, gardening are the, the ones that are, that we see here in South Africa. They would all fall in the law unless you're doing that on a farm and then it falls under farm worker law. 
Fantastic. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much for your thoughts, Ms. Amy Tekia. Indeed, a worthy conversation. Probably it can evolve into other areas of domestic work and ensuring that those vulnerable employees are given the dignity as to a conversation on this platform so as to conscientize those who employ them of their respective rights. It's a bilateral relationship, after all. 2130.